The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with Bob Gemmel of Lidos, uh, Vice President of Strategic Sourcing. Hey, first timer on Amtower Off Center. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. It's a real pleasure to be here and uh, talking to the man that literally wrote the book on the industry. So, uh, cool. real happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so, give us give us some background on Bob. Where you come from? What you do at Lidos? And uh, particularly, uh, what you're—we're going to deep deep dive into this, but give give people an overview of that strategic sourcing, what it means for Lidos. Sure. So, just a real quick history. I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, enter this industry back in the mid late '80s when uh, the A and D industry was absolutely booming, and uh, worked through a lot of project engineering type roles. And uh, happened to be working a large Intel program that had a really huge material spend and started working a little bit with the procurement folks. And I thought, well, this is kind of cool. These, these individuals uh, get to uh, talk to contracts, engineering, lawyers, finance, and the CEOs of small, medium-sized companies on any given day uh, and stay up to date on the latest technology. So uh, that was really where I made my transition over to uh, the procurement side of the house or sourcing side of the house. I started with GE Aerospace, went through uh, a merger to Martin Marietta, then Lockheed Martin, and then I was fortunate enough to make the transition to Lidos in August of 2016. That's a lot of supply chain stuff. It is a lot of supply chain stuff, and it's it's really evolved over that time. It doesn't look at all like it did uh, back uh, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth and I started my career. So I'm going to throw something esoteric out. So if I said readiness-based sourcing, you'd know what I was talking about. I would not. Readiness- you wouldn't? No. Oh. Okay. A uh, buddy of mine who worked at uh, Logistics Management Institute, deep dive into strategic sourcing, he's the guy who is responsible for tracking uh, OEM parts to have them available on site when necessary, sort of a just-in-time uh, strategic sourcing, and it's called readiness-based sparing, but it's predicated on having an OEM uh, verified piece there when you need it. And I will tell you, OEM verified today is just critically important with some of the standards and regulations that we're seeing coming out from the federal government. Uh, what we look for is that traceability, chain of custody, all the way from whoever we may be buying that product from all the way back to the original equipment manufacturer. And sometimes that's not a straight shot, right? Sometimes it's going to go through a distributor. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not. Is it ever a straight shot anymore? Uh, when I find it, I will let you know. Okay, but yeah, please when, do. <laughs> when you start getting into second, third, fourth tier supply chain, it, it really gets difficult. Yeah, one one of the uh, differentiators on soup, this past iteration, soup 5, is Joanne implemented a... Uh, a sourcing uh, component mm-hmm. to make sure that all of the products that are sold through her contract are verifiable OEM. So pretty cool. 
Uh, that's what our customers are looking for. Yeah. Well, uh, ho- hopefully that's what everybody's looking for. So um, so strategic sourcing at, at uh, Lidos, give me, give me a deep dive into uh, what you do and, and what it means for the customer. Sure. I'll, I'll give you some insight into what I do and then uh, what uh, strategic sourcing and supplier relationship management look like at Lidos. So uh, my responsibilities would be uh, strategic sourcing, a mm-hmm. uh, supply base of about 10,000 suppliers on an annualized basis. Uh, we do category management, and uh, that involves both large and small categories, large and small business. And then I also have sourcing operations, so really the pointy end of the spear that would be the actual procurement, uh, staging stock, warehouse, material planning, things of that nature. Okay. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you just host a uh, an event around this? Uh, so we did, Mark, and uh, really proud that we just uh, back on, I believe it was June 4th, hosted our 2019 and third annual Lidos Innovation and Technology Symposium. And we did that uh, at Marriott Westfields in Chantilly, Virginia. Uh, so this, was, again, was the third year. We've experienced about 30% growth per year for this event. And what I like about it is it kind of feels uniquely Lidos. And, and what I mean by that is we have stayed true to the original intent of the in- event, which is we want to provide a forum for technology suppliers and innovators to have an audience with technical decision makers and technical leaders within Lidos. So this year we had 100 technology suppliers, and just short of 1,000 attendees. And if you take a look at that audience uh, on the supplier side, it was the major OEMs, it was value-added resellers, and right about 25% of all the participating companies were what we categorize as emerging technology. So a lot of these are venture capital or private equity-backed firms uh, that are mid to late stage. And... uh, uh, they're there because that's what our solution architects want to see. And so uh, we provide an environment where they can engage in a meaningful way. Uh, if you take a look at the, the audience on the Lido side and really the supplier side from an individual perspective, in attendance we had 40 CEOs, presidents, and general managers. We had 80 Lido's program managers and business developers and we had 100 and I believe it was 15 solution architect or solution architect candidates. And uh, at Lightos, we have the solution architect program. Right. Uh, pr- pretty, pretty prestigious program. That's mm-hmm. where uh, the technology decision makers of the future are Internal groomed. Internal certification kind of deal. Exactly, exactly. And we're real big on external certifications as well. Right, but yeah. this is our internal gig. And uh, as part of their curriculum, this is the second year in a row that the symposium was actually part of that curriculum. So they're required to attend and uh, really has been a great event. And uh, we, as we grow, we had thought about, you know, do we want to change it? Do we want to make it something different? And the, the resounding feedback we received from stakeholders, both on the supplier side and internally was, no, let's, let's stay true to the original intent which is this is about engagement with our suppliers. Okay. So uh, not just your current uh, supplier base, but, you know, those, those emerging techs. How, how do you know, who, who identifies the emerging techs, Sarah? So uh, 
my team will often facilitate engagements with VC or PE firms, but 100% of the firm identification is done by our chief technology officers, our technical core competency leads, our CIO and his staff. So uh, my team will make the connections. We're the matchmaker, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, we like to go out to uh, a a VC firm that really specializes in technology that's relevant to our industry, relevant to our customers' missions. And let's say they have a portfolio of two, three dozen technology companies, uh, and our team will take a look at it. And they'll make a selection of maybe a half dozen companies to, to come in and talk to us. You know, you, you look at a company or a, uh, a venture capital firm like Anderson Horowitz. They have uh, a demo or customer engagement center, I think, in San Francisco and then one in New York. We do this a little bit differently. We have the uh, owners of these companies or the or principals come into our facility, and what they get is sort of an intimate forum with the program managers that are interested in their technology, the uh, engineers, the system engineers that are interested in their technology. And I would say about 90% of the companies that come in and do this for us, uh, and we do it about two to three times per year, 90% of them leave with uh, additional meetings set up with our folks. So they're getting multiple cycles. And it's, it's a lot of those companies that end up as the emerging technology providers or suppliers that go to our symposium. Cool. Um, so literally everybody that comes is is an invitee. I'm not going to go to the events page at Lido's and <laughs> sign up to come uh, spy on you. <laughs> we, we, we actually did step up security this year because we do want to prevent that. Uh, we, we also, it's also – and I'm sorry to say this, Mark. It's a media free free event. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, hey, but we we I, I, I've been invited not to attend many things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can join you on that one. Uh, but we really do want to stay true, as I said, to what it's all about, and uh, it's technology engagement and the supply. We really try to encourage the suppliers not to come in with commercials. Uh, for our suppliers that run breakout sessions, we have them submit abstracts. Uh, we give them some ideas on what our folks are interested in hearing in. It might be cyber, C4ISR, mm. uh, AI, ML, whatever it may be. And uh, the companies just come in with some some great ideas on what they would like to talk about. And then based upon those abstracts, our technical community actually makes the decisions as to who's going to have a breakout session. Obviously, in a one-day event, you cannot have 100 breakout sessions. This is all one day? One day. Holy crap. Yeah, it, it's a busy day, and uh, we uh, may change that for next year. We may not, but we're certainly looking at it. We may want to have uh, add some additional time for uh, a different type of technical deep dive and maybe some training. We'll see. Cool. Uh, you're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio. I'm here with uh, with Bob Gemmel, uh, Vice President of Strategic Sourcing at Lidos, and we shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Bob Gemmel, Vice President of Strategic Sourcing at Lidos, and uh, I'm I'm learning a lot about Lidos here, uh, both in the, in the outtakes and and on air. Um, so give give me an idea the, the the breadth and depth. You know, most SIs seem to 
offload that entire product side. You know, they don't want to get involved in in that. You know, the margins are not good. Um, so, give give me the the large picture here. How much of your business is this, and and why did you move that way? Sure, Mark. I'll, I'll I can give you some round numbers, and I'll talk talk to why we actually do focus on uh, materials. And uh, our spend is probably you know close to half of revenue, and that includes a lot of non-addressable items, so leases, things of that nature. When you actually get into the products and the services that we're buying from other contractors, large and small, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're probably in the 30 to 40 percent of revenue range. And uh, I should mention that uh, with that spend, between 30 to 40 percent of it, sometimes more dependent upon the program, is going to be with small business. Uh, and that's not just DOD, that's enterprise wide. Uh, and the reason we like to keep uh, the material spend within Lettos, the reason we've put focus on it is we believe that is a competitive differentiator for us. Uh, a lot of innovation, believe it or not, does not come from uh, defense contractors, A&D contractors. It actually comes from commercial companies that are out there developing the next hot thing, right, whether it's in cyber, AI, ML, wherever it may be. We want to have access to that and access to it early. So it's through meaningful engagement with these suppliers that we, we actually get that and we get an advantage. And ergo the conference. Exactly. Uh, so uh, on the break, we were talking about kind of my heritage and where I came from. I came from a large platform company, A&D. And I remember when we were uh, being acquired by Lidos, going to Lidos actually felt more like home because they spoke our language uh, about you know, this specific technology industry uh, within, within the Beltway. Uh, so uh, uh, something else that really uh, made me feel like Lettuce was the right place for me personally was our, our CEO, Roger Crone, has a heritage with Boeing. He used to run a Boeing business, and Boeing absolutely understands the importance of the supply chain. And so uh, the, the level of support that we get from Roger and then through the entire uh, senior leadership team is incredible when it comes to engaging suppliers. They're all actively participating as executive sponsors with one or more of our suppliers. Uh, so that, that makes my job and the, the job of my team much easier. Okay. So um, take, uh, take me down that uh, uh, favorite word of mine, that small business partner thing um so sure how, how, how do they how do they get to play with you well uh you you want to set yourself apart right and everyone says differentiate but uh you would be surprised at how many suppliers come in be it a, a services provider or a material provider and when asked what they can do for lightos you know the answer might be whatever you need and that, that's probably not the optimal answer it, it's we, we're look we're looking for honesty. We're looking for uh, honest communication, right? And uh, if you're not a fit for one specific opportunity, maybe you're a fit for the next. But having an honest dialogue is important, and uh, we we really uh, want to engage in a meaningful way. Whether you're providing uh, services or whether you're providing material, um, we we definitely uh, participate in activities like category management. 
And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of one category if I could. Sure. Uh, we actually look at our value-added resellers as a category. And uh, a couple of years ago, we had roughly 150 companies that we would buy product through in order to get to an OEM. And uh, 150 is somewhat of a large number. It's very difficult to manage and well, have a meaningful a relationship. <laughs> right, exactly. So we, we took a look at that and we, 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 we spent a lot of time looking at the data. So which OE, excuse me, which VARs had um, uh, alliances with which OEMs? Who could they sell for? Who were they an authorized distributor for? Who were they a gold or platinum uh, distributor for? And uh, who are the niche suppliers that we needed to work with? So we ended up with uh, what we have today, and that is 10 primary VARs, of which a, a pretty good percentage are small businesses, and then 10 developmental. It doesn't mean we always go – it doesn't mean we're always working off of that list, but that's uh, a major source of where we buy IT technology. And uh, we have meaningful dialogues with these folks on a monthly basis. So they're getting report cards, and uh, given uh, the – uh, emphasis today on secure supply chain. We also conduct traceability audits so that uh, our VARs, large and small, understand that they're going to have random purchase orders pulled, and we look for chain of custody back through the, distri- the distributor all the way to the OEM. And if they're not able to provide that to us, they may fall off the list. So if you take a look at the first year, I believe we've had two of our VARs fall off the list, mm-hmm. and we've probably introduced another three to four. So we like to keep that list fresh. Okay, so um, did the the new ones come from your developmental category? They absolutely did. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we so also... that's step one. It's step one is to get into that developmental category. And uh, is a, if I was taking a look at a, a VAR today, one of my questions would be, uh, I'd really look at, at three things that are important to me. One... Uh, do we have shared values? Um, uh, is ethics a priority? Uh, are you going to look for a long-term relationship or a transactional relationship? Uh, two is what type of relationship do you have with your OEMs and your distributors? If you don't have a strong relationship, you, you may not be ready to do business with us. And then the third thing uh, is I just talked about uh, supply chain risk management. How are you ensuring that what you're providing to us is actually what we need for our customers' missions. Okay. So, um, you know, you, you could probably shorten that cycle if you picked VARs off of soup because Joanne only picked people that had legitimate sourcing. <laughs> so so uh, I, I will tell you that uh, quite a few of our VARs are on soup. Yeah. Um, doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Now, conversely, do they bring you into deals that require – uh, skills that they don't have at the table? We don't find that our VARs are doing that, but I ta- I'll give you an example of what they do to- what they do for us. And uh, you-, you may have heard that uh, Letos uh, recently won a contract with NASA called NASA Nest, providing end-user uh, compute to yep. all of NASA across all the NASA centers. That's a 10-year contract. Uh, worth- and that's a lot of centers. That's a lot of centers, right? Uh, not easy to do IT across the entire uh, continental United States. Right. 
And uh, we actually partnered with one of our small business companies, uh, Avar, and they brought to us uh, a solution for staging and warehousing. We worked collaboratively with them on an e-catalog solution that's going to enable NASA employees to get the desktop computing, mobility computing that they need when they need it, and, of course, at a great price. Uh, so uh, it's not just large business that brings good ideas. There's a great example of a, a small business that we had a relationship with. They were in the proposal pit working these ideas with us. You know, not, They didn't have an army in there. might have been one or two people, right. uh, but uh, they really brought it and helped us uh, secure that award. But now you have that delivery module if you run across another vehicle like this too. Exactly. <clears throat> so – so they won't be small for long. <laughs> the downside. That is the we're gonna, downside. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, and we shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Bob Gemmel, Vice President of Strategic Sourcing at Lidos. And uh, again, I'm, I'm just learning so much about this company um, and and the breadth and depth. So uh, the, the supplier relationship management ecosystem we were talking about between takes here. Uh, uh, you know, when I, when I think of Lyos, I, uh, when I thought of Lyos before, <laughs> right. I really didn't think of, of, of your network being that big. So, so take me through, through that ecosystem. Sure. I, I'll unpack that for you, Mark. Uh, again, 10,000 active suppliers in any given year, uh, roughly 30 to 40% of that small business. And really when we engage with suppliers, we have a decision to make. And that decision is, are we going to have transactional relationships or are we going to have collaborative relationships, strategic relationships that drive innovation? And whenever possible, we're going to put our money on having collaborative relationships that drive innovation. And, you know, obviously with 10,000 suppliers, you can't do that in each and every instance. So uh, really the first order of business is to have some segmentation of your your supply chain. And so if you look at the first tier, really strategic partners, and that could be based upon spend, but most often it's based upon innovation. Uh, We have a second tier uh, that would be emerging suppliers uh, or business essential and then you go down to third, and then the fourth tier would be where, okay, we have a transactional relationship today where we might be buying piece parts, it might be office supplies, and um, we're, we just don't have the bandwidth to invest uh, the type of en- energy where you're going to be meeting with an executive sponsor uh, once a month. But for those top two tiers, you know, we're, we're really looking at it through a few lenses to, to get into those top two tiers. One is, again, how much are we spending with that firm? If we're spending a lot of money, uh, obviously we want to pay some attention to it. But uh, even more important is what opportunity do we have to drive innovation and collaborate? Uh, we've discovered that uh, if you are simply putting an RFP on the street and having suppliers or subcontractors respond to that, you negotiate and uh, it's a one-time deal – you're not going to get the innovation that you're looking for or that your customers are looking for. It's a one-time relationship. And uh, I see a lot of companies that go off and do that 
20 times in a year with the same supplier. What we try to do is we set up subcontract management teams. Uh, a typical subcontract or, excuse me, supply, uh, supplier management team might look like uh, a supplier relationship manager out of my team that's going to take care of the day-to-day engagement. It might consist of a technical expert like a solution architect that has a vested interest in that supplier's technology. And then it's also going to have an executive executive sponsor. It may be a CTO. It may be a program manager. It may be a solution architect. But that supplier is getting regular attention. Uh, and uh, we, we also do a lot of reach out internally, internally within Lidos to make sure my team is facilitating the types of relationships uh, that they view as valuable. So as an example, uh, over the next two weeks, uh, myself and a couple of others are going to be sitting down with each of our four group presidents to talk about what they need over the next year out of supplier relationships. Uh, What do they need those relationships to look like? What do they need from our suppliers? Because it's one thing for me to think about it as a supply chain guy, but the, the fact of the matter is I'm not talking to our customers, our government customers, on a daily basis. They are. So um, it's important for me not to just uh, drink my own bathwater. Yeah, so it, it almost sounds like you're going to them to pick their brains so you could do an OMB 53 on your needs, prognostications over the next uh, 12 to 24. So your team is not surprised when, you know, these these situations requiring these types of products, software, services occur. Exactly. And uh, something that uh, I stress to my team would be that uh, occasionally we need to go take a look at our our, uh, peers in business development and uh, government affairs as to how they engage with customers, right? They do a lot of listening, uh, a lot of meetings where they're just having dialogue to talk about current needs, and probably more importantly, future needs. And uh, we need to turn that on its head and have those same type of meaningful discussions with our suppliers as just as important to the business uh, so as uh, making sure we understand what the customers need. Okay. Cool. So um, <clears throat> so go, go back again because I forgot. How, how many suppliers? I mean, you, you have – 10 primary resellers, 10 developmental resellers, mm-hmm. but technically you're probably tapping into, what, 1,500, 2,000 OEMs? Uh, that is probably a good number, Mark. And uh, again, not even all those are treated equally. We, we have something sure. um, yeah. that, that I think is worth mentioning uh, that was rolled out about two years ago. It's called the Lidos Alliance Partner Network. If, if uh, folks are interested in learning more about that, if you go to Lidos.com and just do a search on Lidos Alliance Partner Network, you can get more information on it. Uh, it's a pretty elite group. includes companies of all sizes. Uh, today we have, I believe, 14 companies in the Alliance Partner Network, and there are four tiers there within that network. Uh, the first is Corporate Strategic Partner. And if you were to go off to the website, you see we only have two companies in there today. These are companies that have sort of reached the pinnacle of collaboration with us. They're in our capture pits. We may be doing joint research. They have dedicated people assigned to working with us. And uh, we're putting points on the board together. 
the second tier, uh, we have more companies that would be a corporate strategic partner. Same type of thing, perhaps to a lesser extent. Uh, but again, in the proposal pits with us, helping us solve problems and uh, uh, deliver solutions on programs. Uh, the third tier is emerging technology partner. And uh, we have, that's where you'll see some of the small businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are venture capital backed. And the fourth tier, uh, we don't have anyone in there yet, uh, but we will by the end of the year. And those we categorize as university partners. So we're off taking a look at universities that can help us, again, drive technology innovation. So uh, you know, we might be looking, for instance, at a university or universities that are just really excelling in an area such as machine learning, as an example, or a university that has great quals in the area of cybersecurity. So those are the types of folks that we're interested in talking to. Uh, and uh, as, when you're part of this partner network, uh, there's expectations on both sides, right? So it's not just slapping a name on a website. What we want to do is make sure that we have a good subcontract management team in place, that we have an executive sponsor assigned, and that uh, we're having exchanges of uh, pipelines, right? So uh, our BD team will share pipeline with the members of this alliance partner network, and uh, we, we, accept, we expect the same in return. Uh, what are they hearing from the supplier community? Uh, we, we both know that sometimes – uh, customers might share things with a, a, a material supplier. They may not with a contractor just because the supplier may have better access. They may have a large footprint with uh, a particular customer. So it's a great resource for us as well. Okay. I, can, you, can you talk a little bo- bit more about your relationships with universities? How do you identify them? Do they identify themselves to you? Um, how do you vet their programs? Uh, are these are these universities getting grants from the government to pursue particular types of technologies? Is this how you ferret it out? So uh, I am by no means an expert on universities, but I, I'll share with you what I know. Uh, we're we're taking the same approach with the universities that we are with the with our supplier community. We want to engage with universities that are interested in the technologies uh, that are meaningful to Lidos and to our customer sets. And uh, we want them to be recognized as a leader in that area. Doesn't always mean they're the preeminent leader. Uh, Sometimes location is important as well. Uh, And we have some great universities, as you know, right here in the, the Washington metropolitan area. Hopefully I teach at one of them. I believe you do. I think that's Washington University, if I remember correctly. George Washington. George Washington. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so uh, there, there's also room at uh, a functional level to engage as well. So I'll just use my team as an example. Uh, we have a pretty large sourcing operations center down in Tennessee, just outside of uh, Knoxville in Oak Ridge. And uh, right there in Knoxville is the University of Tennessee. Their number one curriculum is supply chain management. Uh, I think they, they've been rated. Isn't num- that where UPS has its main hub? They are right. They are right <laughs> down the road in Mount Juliet, uh, as are uh, some other folks. But yeah, that is a uh, kind of a supply it's chain a hub down there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know who'd have thought, right? Yeah, it's it's funny how those things work out. But we 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 partner a lot with uh, University of Tennessee in terms of. Uh, 
college direct placement, interns, engaging with university staff. Uh, my team actually just began a joint research project with the University of Tennessee on cyber, uh, supply chain cybersecurity. So there, there's things that happen at a corporate level, but there's room for all of us to have those meaningful engagements. Cool. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Bob and I will wrap up right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm here with Bob Gemmel, the Vice President of Strategic Sourcing with Lighthouse. And I don't know about you as a listener, but me as a host has learned a heck of a lot so far. And I want to learn just a little bit more. So your role is really running or managing the supply chain, you and your team. Uh, but but when I saw uh, um, one of your other vice presidents speak at a WASH Tech breakfast, he was talking about using um, uh, subcontractors. Uh, you know, you, you get a subcontracting role, and he's looking at evaluating them as a potential for acquisition. So, how, how does this play into? So, you're, you're, you mentioned earlier uh, your your uh, major partners always help you in the in the capture process. Right, so they're part part of the team uh, from from the get go. So how how do you bring somebody into that? So how does how does a new company play a a role in BD and and get uh, get on your radar for that? Yeah, Mark. So I, I think you're referring to Randy Phillips' talk uh, at a Washington Technology Breakfast. Correct. And uh, so I think like most contractors, there's there's a huge funnel you start out with when you're looking at possible M and A targets, and then it gets narrower. Uh, to actually find a deal that makes sense and will be accretive and, and deliver value to the business. And you know, the supply, pay, supply base needs to be uh, part of that funnel contributing to possible candidates. Uh, so my team is not always active in the evaluations, but when uh, it's appropriate, we are. Uh, and we also try to identify candidates. And uh, I, I know speaking to Randy just the other week, uh, we were talking about cultural compatibility, that that is actually just as important as the technology and uh, the leadership team, right? And so it doesn't mean that uh, we – the offices need to look the same when you walk in the door. Right. But it's shared values, right? Do we have this, the same shared values? And uh, there can be microcultures, uh, within a company, they're they're much different, but they can have shared values, and you know that things like integrity and innovation, uh, communication, commitment. But uh, an example I'll give you just within Lighthouse is you could go out go out to our facility in Morgantown, West Virginia, and uh, much I would say that the staff there is on the younger side, mm-hmm. and that's not going to look like uh, what you might find if you were to come into the headquarters office. But that's okay. Uh, we're, we're bound together by those core values. Uh, in terms of uh, the actual technology that we'd be looking for, uh, we often look to test drive a company to see if they would be a good M&A target. So uh, it, it's good to do some dating before you get married, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, there are opportunities to do that in a way of teaming. It gives us uh, some insight, meaningful insight, into how the company operates. Do they have a strong leadership team? 
Do they have a strong technology team? How do they like to go to market? Uh, what type of program management skills do they have? All these things matter. And if you you have an opportunity to work with a company uh, and you have some experience under your belt, I think both sides feel more comfortable about uh, possibly coming together. Cool. So, um, <clears throat> so your your role in this is kind of tangential, but still part of the process. So. When 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 you're bringing these partners in, um, is is it different depending on which part of your business it's for? Right. So we have four uh, business groups within Lettuce, four primary business groups. Mm-hmm. We have uh, civil, defense, intelligence, and health. And uh, it's important to understand what they're looking for uh, at, in terms of M&A, but also – more important, importantly to me, just overall supplier relationships. And I have my perspective as a strategic sourcing leader, uh, as does my team. But uh, I, I think we were talking on break. I'm about to go on a listening tour with each of our group presidents uh, to understand what it is that they need from our suppliers. Is, is it uh, more engagement on our capture efforts? Do we have gap areas on our programs where we think suppliers could be doing more for us? Uh, th- those are the types of discussions that that I think really benefit our overall supplier relationship management efforts. Okay. Do you, do you find that, uh, that your primary uh, VAR suppliers operate across the board there? They do. So uh, great question. Our VARs touch each and every one of our businesses, and uh, I, I think they do it pretty evenly. Uh, the types of things that we're buying from our VARs might vary from business to business. Health is going to look a little bit different than, sure. than defense or intel. But at the end of the day, uh, the type of service and relationship that we're looking to have uh, is pretty much the same. Okay. You you had mentioned your uh, your your various uh, CTOs and your uh, without saying it this way your internal SMEs. Um, what how are how are you leveraging these people to uh, work with or are they involved in that VAR relationship? They are. They're they're involved in the VAR relationships and the OEM relationships and. Uh, I've told this story a couple of times to others, but I remember uh, my first discussion with one of the CTOs about how the sourcing team was going to partner with them and we're going to get more out of supplier relationships. And uh, there was a look of disbelief in his eyes, like, hey, I've heard this story before, right? Uh, Because it it takes a lot of effort. Um, Supplier relationship management, when done right, is a team sport. And... uh, Probably no one has to put forth more effort than a technical community. Uh, we're all busy. If you're a uh, system engineer working on a program, you might be looking at this saying, hey, the last thing I have time to do is go meet with a supplier. Uh, but uh, there, there are, there's a lot of benefit to be had. Right? It's, it's like making time to go have lunch with uh, a rising star within your organization. Uh, these things uh, may not seem the most urgent at the time, but in the long haul, it's going to deliver big results. 
Cool. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts for the audience? Yeah. Uh, so my parting thought that, that I'll leave you with is that uh, supplier relationship management and engagement with suppliers is a team sport. Uh, if an enterprise is going to go off and do this, uh, it needs to be something that is endorsed by the executive leadership team. They need to hit the I believe button, that there's value to be extracted. And then once that happens, it becomes a lot easier to uh, make happen across the enterprise. They're basically setting the example. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll just go back to Roger Crone. Uh, in any given week, he might be meeting personally with two or three of our suppliers. Uh, same with our CTOs, uh, probably even to a greater extent. So uh, when they when uh, people see that happening at the top, uh, they they ask why, and uh, there's usually a pretty good answer. Culture starts from the top down. It does. There you go. Man, thanks for coming in. It's been a real pleasure. I, I've enjoyed it, Mark, and uh, hopefully I can come back sometime. Hey, <clears throat> let's do it. Um, you've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio. My guest has been Bob Gemmel, Vice President of Strategic Sourcing at Lidos, who I might mention is the number one uh, contractor uh, as of the 2019 Washington Tech Technology Top 100. So congratulations on that. Yeah, it feels good to be back in the number one slot. Thank there you, you go. Mark. There you go. <laughs> That's right, from Lockheed. Uh, there you go. Um, this is not my day job. If you want to know how LinkedIn can help you at end of FY and year-round, uh, drop me a line at mark at federaldirect.net. Thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center.